Thank you for tuning in to You Choice Radio. It's the Whatever Podcast with your host, Tony Draper, Silo, and Beats Gordy. Today we have a very special interview guest, NBA legend Dana Barros. He was drafted in the first round by the Seattle Supersonics, also played for the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. So today he is going to give us some great information, background information on the NBA, what it was like, who he played against, and more. So let's go. The table, like you, you kind of was like the precursor for Augustine. Five eleven. You had the jumper. You, you was the man in Philadelphia. Can you just speak a little bit on that? It was crazy. Um, I was in Philly, and uh, I really they weren't. They didn't really offer me a long-term deal. I was about to sign with Washington, you know. So um, mm. I really knew that I was leaving Philly, but I really loved it. I got the opportunity, man. Um, John Lucas gave me gave me the rock. He was just like, "Do you think it's your rock?" And that was the first time somebody had done that for me. And you know, in the pros, not not you know, just in college. So when I got the rock, I had to wait. That's what I did. Man. Okay. That was that was awesome, man. I was also I read a little bit up too. Uh, you thought you were going to the Bulls, and you end up getting the, the Sonic stole you. Yeah, man. I, I you know I didn't even talk. To, I didn't even talk to Seattle before the draft. I didn't even holler at like the GM. He never called me, called my agent or nothing. So when they were picking, I wasn't even paying attention to the draft. And, you know, mate, when they said. You know, Donna Bariosi or whatever, whatever they used there said. I was bugging. I was like, no, it is. Why he do that? Like he just did that. You know, so yeah, it kind of messed with me a little bit. You know, but it was all. I, I obviously ended up all good. But then that would have been, that would have been the icing on the cake right there. Right. Now I, I I looked up some of your stats and I noticed that you are one of three players with uh, Michael Jordan. And the other player goes by me to have uh, 50 points with over uh, 80% uh, from the field. Am I correct? Yeah. What's this? What's the second player? Um, somebody who just did it recently. That's why they put it up there. Yeah. You know? I, I, I had I, somebody sent it to me on the gram, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I, 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 I saw it on. I saw it. That's where I saw it from. I gotta look, I gotta look it up, cause I had yeah, it too. That, <laughs> that, was, that was one of my first questions. Um, when you saw when you saw that, was it something that you knew when you did it, or did it just brought, bring back the the memory of actually doing it and thinking, wow, I didn't know I, I actually achieved that. Every time I like like Kenny Smith would bring my name up, every time those people bring my name up, it kind of brings back memories. But honestly, man, the whole career is such a blur. I need something to happen for it to kind of come back to me. You know what I mean? It's just basketball to me. It was what I always wanted to do. And when I was in it, I was in it. I wasn't thinking about nothing else other than that. And man, just even like bringing up stories and being on a lot of podcasts lately, man, it does bring back a lot of those memories, man. And it comes kind of full circle fresh in my mind again, which, you know, I, I have forgotten a lot of this stuff. So when I go on these shows, it's great. And, I, and also YouTube saves everybody, man, with the, with the history they keep on there. So any little kid I go speak at a camp, he doesn't know me. 
you know, and that, as soon as they go grab their phone, that 50 point game comes up. So that's kind of a staple <laughs> for me going forward in the future, you know? Right. I wanted to pay, piggyback on the, uh, the 50 ball on Houston and how you, you basically shot, like you was uh, one of the first shooters. Like uh, how do you, do you get a little jealous? You aren't in this era where they came, uh, the hand checking and they shooting like eight threes a game. Absolutely, man. Like if I, like when I would come in and pull it from like three feet behind the line, the coach would look at me and say, you better make it. You know what I mean? Because I was coming out if I didn't, people would look at me crazy. So, but you know, those are my shots back then, but it, it wasn't, you know, it was looked at, even the announcers would be looking at me crazy if I missed it. Like what the hell is wrong with him shooting like from there? But that was my range and it was crazy. So now I see, you know, 30% of the league shooting three, four feet behind the line. It's just like, damn, you know, like my max deal, like, mm. you know, I got a nice little deal back then, man. My max deal would have been like a buck 50, man. You know what I'm saying? So I'm jealous. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely jealous. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And you also were in yeah. the uh, 1995 uh, All-Star game, too. Uh, yeah. Definitely uh, probably a highlight in your career. What memories do you have about that um, the whole weekend? Man, I mean, just everything. It, it's just uh, I was in the three-point contest as well, but to be able to walk in that locker room, you know what I mean, put that uniform on with all those all-stars around me, man, you know, like Penny Hardaway, Shaq, all those, you know, all those great, great players, man. It was just amazing, Scotty Pippen, everyone. So once I walked in that locker room, it was kind of like, that wow effect hit me. You know, I was, that was, I, I kind of was the first time I wasn't looking at, at myself as an NBA player. I was more like a fan walking in that locker room. That was an amazing moment. And that's one of the moments that I, that I always remember vividly. That wasn't a blur to me. That was like something that was vivid to me. The warm up line, you know, I, I was, I was crazy bouncy in the warm up line. I was high, you know, so, and then the game, you know, yeah. I got, I got to play in the game, hit like, I think five, seven points. So then that's, that's one of those moments you never forget, you know? So, that was definitely a classic moment. Uh, who was one of your favorite teammates? Man, I had a couple. But I, like, I definitely, Don Camp. Don Camp was my favorite. It was my next door neighbor. We came in as rookies together. We rode everywhere together, you know what I mean? To the airport, to practice. And that was my man. And people just don't have no idea how how good he was, man. He's Zion on steroids, plus five inches taller. You know, I mean, get get post to coast behind his back, between his leg, cuff dunk on you. You know, it was just a different game back then too. So, um, he was he was definitely the most fun teammate to play because you could just throw it up to the to the top of the board and he was getting it. You know, um, and I also played with Paul Pierce, who was amazing, man. Like we. We used to call him bad body because he looked like he couldn't play. Like, he didn't look like he was athletic and he was herky-jerky with his game. And then he'd just take off mm -hmm. on him. To watch him mature for those three years from his rookie year to then was also, that was that was a great time in my career as well. Yeah, we just mentioned uh, Paul Pierce High School uh, slam dunk attempt from the slam dunk contest. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was going against uh, Vince Carter. Uh, like, he looked so awkward when he was in high school. Yeah, man. Bad body P. <laughs> call it bad body P. <laughs> uh, I had a chance to speak with uh, Cornbread Cedric Maxwell, uh, uh, Celtic legend. He got the finals MVP. My and, God. Um, I seen you 
you grew up in the area of Boston, got to play for, I mean, Massachusetts, got to play for Boston. Um, how are you, just tell us about that. That got it. That's awesome. Kind of going to the, the, your city, your state, and then uh, some of the legends you got to meet. And then a little bit how you feel about what the Celtics are doing now. They killed the Sixers yesterday. Yeah, definitely. They're back in the, in the prime mode right now. So it's, it's and I'm, I still do consulting for them. So I've been doing that for about 15 years. Danny Ann used to come over to BC and play with play with me and, and the rest of the squad all the time in '85. So I've known mm. him since '85. And when I retired, he just was like, I'm hanging around. So I've been doing a lot of consulting for them. So I'm always at the game. So right now it's a different time for me. I'm used to being at the game in the playoff atmosphere. And to watch those games on TV is kind of low energy. It must be difficult for those players to really get it. You, know, you have to really dig, dig deep to get the energy. Um, but I grew up, man, watching Larry Bird. And I got to play in Seattle against Larry Bird and Magic Johnson for four years. And then when I came back to play for the Celtics, Larry Bird was actually the GM. He's the one who brought me here, signed me with ML Carr. So... You know, Red Auerbach was still here. You know, I got to be in the room with those guys, sign a contract, and that was amazing, man, to, to watch them growing up and now to be a part of that history, to be a Celtics captain, which will all my name will always be, you know, in the history of that organization. And uh, it's just an honor now to still be involved. And I, and I got a ring from 08. I was, I was on the staff 08, and I need one more. I got two sons, so I need one more of those big carrot rings, man. <laughs> man, that's awesome. I bet that's your prized possession. That you deserve it though. Uh you definitely deserve it. Yeah, Appreciate that's awesome. Um, Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Got some solo? I think he froze. Oh, okay. Hey Dan, my bad man. Let's um, get back in here. No doubt. It's all love, baby. Yes, sir. Being that you came up, you know what I'm saying, uh, as an underdog, being that you was five foot eleven. You know what I'm saying? Back then in the NBA, that kind of, I think playing basketball, period, that kind of seemed unbelievable. But you obviously made a career for yourself. So what do you got to say to those underdogs who's uh, who's just ready to quit? It's just, man, it's, you got to be different, man. Like, you know, you got to be almost a weirdo. You know what I mean? Like, you got to be so zoned in that people looking at you like, what's wrong with him? Like, you know what I mean? And that's the mentality I had uh, growing up where I grew up. It's crack era, you know what I mean? Like, going through all that, couldn't even leave in front of the house because of the issues around the area. I always had the basketball with me, you know what I mean? And we didn't have cell phones, no computers, no no internet. We didn't have cable, you know what I mean? So it was me and the rock. And that's, that's, really, that's really how you got to live. I mean, people don't understand what it takes to get to that level. They see ESPN and they see the final product, but... They don't understand at 6 in the morning, going to the track, running the stairs, coming back, lifting for an hour and a half, sleeping, going back, shooting at the gym, then playing at night. They don't understand those six, eight-hour days. If you ain't doing that, you ain't you ain't really you know want it for real. You just pretending, you know. You just you just want to get the just want to get that that bag, and you're not you just pretending it from where I'm standing because you're not understanding it from that standpoint. I'm I'm not even going to tell you because you're not going to believe me anyway. So what's the point of going there? Uh, I, I was able to witness it a little bit. I, I tried to walk on for youth, uh, University of Cincinnati. Uh, no one made the team, but the, it was this older uh, cat took me under his wing. He ended up making it the next year, and he was a walk-on, never really got in. But man, that boy put was having me put in work like he was saying. I had never seen nothing like that before. And he, he did that just to become a walk-on. 
Right. It's like, so I can't even imagine the type of work, especially you being an undersized. It was like, man, especially back then. Now you could get that off. Man. It's like, it ain't no problem really being uh, 5'11", 6'2". Like, I, that's where I weigh in that. So yeah. it, it is like. Because a lot of times back then, like everyone, it was Gary Payton, Jason Kidd. You had these big 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys. And what happened was they tried to post up. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times guys weren't used to posting up. Then they try to post a little guy up. But what I realized was they couldn't guard me. It was harder for them to guard me than it was for me to guard them. So over the course of the years, me watching Michael Adams, Spud Webb, Muggsy Bowes, and then now all the other teams started wanting a little dude. You know what I mean? I, I got get me one of them little dudes, man. They hard to guard, like especially if they can shoot, score. So and then you had the AIs and the Marberries, and you had that next generation of those six-foot guards, you know, who just really have taken over the game. And, and now, I mean... You six eight, you a guard. You know what I mean. You right. six nine, you a guard. So it, it's a different game. Ooh. You know, different game. And mentioned. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Aunt. Okay, I was gonna say uh, you mentioned uh, another legend you played against, and I seen you you dropped the five threes against Mike Wizard. So uh, could you uh, name like your your top the top five legends you played? Man, I played. I played like at the end of the Bird era. So I actually, I played with um, with Moses Malone, and I played against Larry Bird and Matt. So I would say, Magic and Bird, obviously the first two I had to put in there. Then I went from MJ, obviously number three, but you know, in no order of who's the greatest. I'm just putting in the three. Right. And then I was, you have to pick between Akeem and Shaq. You know what I mean? That's a toss up to me. One was finesse uh, personified. The other one was just a man, sound like another from another planet. You know what I mean? Um, so I would take one of those guys, and then man, I'm gonna take Kobe. Man, Kobe was man, Kobe was such a beast, man. Like in top five defensive every year and offense every year, just like Mike, man. So, and his mental, man, his mental, like he he was just a relentless. Like if you want to breed the mind and the body of a, of a basketball player, that's who you want. You want that 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 weird old crazy-ass mentality. You know what I'm saying? That dude like that. And that's what he was. So I, I, I five, man. You know, I got Kobe over LeBron. A lot of people might not feel that way. But, man, I just – I think I Kobe is a killer. And I love what LeBron does. Like, he's such an unselfish player, right? Right. But where I, mean, I ever where I'm from – I don't want LeBron making the right pass because the right pass might be throwing it to Bill Cartwright for a 15 footer. I don't want that. You know what I'm saying? That's the right pass. Yes. That's the right pass, B. But who the hell wants him shooting that? So, you know, I just need a killer, man. I need a killer. I need a killer. I'm, I need someone going to shoot it with the double team and give the double team a facial. That's what I need. Mm. That's the biggest difference the mentality. Yeah, man, like, it's it's a mentality. It's 82 games. It's a mentality. That, and LeBron may be one of the, the most talented at his size. Yeah, that's past, posted, like, he may be the most talented, but it's just, that doesn't mean you're the best. You know what I mean? doesn't mean you're the best. But he's still, to me, top five and, and will be maybe top three at the, when it's all said and done. You know, it's, he's still an amazing, great, great player ever. One of the greatest ever. Yes, sir. We we already brought up the uh, comparison with you and Iverson. 
what a lot of people don't really uh remember is uh check it your um right. your your rap record right I mean, yeah, I, man, I, I uh you know i dj all through college man high school to make money you know i make some dope parties in my room and dj you know and um then i got to philly and what was crazy was dj jazzy jeff was he was like side with will smith all the time so Man, this is amazing, man. Like, I should, I need to put this in the book. I got to go to Jazzy Jeff's house, like, three nights a week that year, and he was teaching me all this stuff. I was so nice on the tables, bro, because <laughs> he would teach me. I couldn't get to spinning and all that, but he was, he would take hours, man, and just teach me all the intricacies of just mixing with, the, you know, with wow. the boys, and I was just amazing. So, I, after that, I really got into the, to the rapping part of it as well, so that, the NBA was doing an album with rappers, so they just came to me. They was like, yo, just we want you to do a record. So I did it. And then they was like, oh, that's amazing. So I did the second album and I did the, the single, which was on BET and, and MTV and all that raps back in the day. So yeah, my son does does music now, and I'm actually he got a single on Spotify, iTunes, and I'm on the single with him. You know, we're doing like another two singles now. So we still, you know, that's I'm still fun. in the music through him, man. It's in the blood. So, so what's I can't kind of hear it in your voice. Um, I'm from um, Ohio, beats from Detroit, Silo from uh, Florida, but I bet uh, we we probably get it twisted about Massachusetts or Boston, and I can hear it. Like, can yeah. uh, you let them know that it's really real down there? I can, I bet I, you kind of mentioned it. Like, y'all, it's just like any other city, huh? Man, it's it's listen, man. Like it's like baby New York, you know. That's mm. all I say. It's, it's like a quarter the size of New York. It's baby New York. Um, and back growing up, it was it was really segregated back then. But like to try to explain like what the crack era was like, it was like you like you couldn't you can't explain that to someone. You know, like you had to watch like The Wire. You know, you know you gotta watch something real real. But it's it's yeah, it's a scary place, man. Like in at certain times, man, and uh. It's, but at the same time, it makes me who I am. I love I love that city. I'm still in, in this. I live like 10 minutes from the city now. I have camps. We bus kids out from the city. Still involved through the through the mayors of the city. So that's my heart and soul. And they never let nothing happen to me. No matter where I went, they was always somebody was always protecting me. Never let none of those those knuckleheads like really get at me the way they wanted to. And that's a blessing for me because it was a lot of times just because I'm 15 playing 19 and under getting at all these dudes. It, it could have been a lot of times it got real, real ugly. And then a lot of people put a stop to that for me. And that's, I, I never, you know, leave the city. This is always going to be home for me. That's absolutely uh, much respect. Yeah, looking back on your NBA career, you, uh, which moment you precious most as far as your uh, last year in Philly when you started with 82 games or when you got signed to Boston? Man, I'd probably say just the draft, man, just being drafted. Like, just you all know, man, like to I just lay, lay in the bed at night to think, oh, man, I just want to go to the league. I'm going to play against MJ and, you know what I mean, have your MJ basketball and type shit, you know what I mean? Like, and to actually get up and go play, man, and, and – the first game I ever played was against the Bulls, you know? So, mm. man, I was just, to tell somebody that, that's like a kid in high school right now, 
walking on the court tomorrow to play against LeBron, you know what I mean? And to play KD and all that. That's literally to put yourself in that position. If you love whatever sports you love, if you music, that's like you walking in, Jay-Z hitting you, like, come to the studio tomorrow. That's what it is. That's literally what it is, you know? So I wanted to go back to yeah, before that's a great the match, especially you know, the Oh, you got? Go ahead, go ahead, Salah. No, go ahead, Salah. I'll just uh, finish at this point. Um, I said that, that got to be a dream, man. Especially you coming up as underdog, then you finally make an NBA, then you going against MJ one on one. Yeah, definitely, and then also too, like always wanting, telling people, man, I I want a chance. I want a chance and playing behind Gary Payton for four years, who's a Hall of Famer, knowing that I wasn't going to play and to get that opportunity and to handle your business is gratifying. You know what I mean? Because like I said, with them six-hour days, you know, everybody ain't going to do that. You know, when you get it, when you finally get it, it's nothing as it's, it's gratifying as that. So that's, you know, it all. it's like the culmination of it all coming together. So absolutely, man. Uh, what's your favorite number? You have four different numbers throughout your career. Which one is the one you would uh, want remember most? I always wanted three, man. The three was my number. Um, you know, I made my living on the threes. And uh, But when I got to Seattle, Dale Ellis had three the first two years, I think. So I couldn't wear it until my second or third year. So I had three there. Then I went to Philly. Um and damn, somebody was wearing three in Philly. Who was no, I was wearing three in Philly, right? So I went three in Philly for two years. Um, then I go to Boston, but Dennis Johnson's number was tied in Boston. So I couldn't wear it there. Played for two years, and Ben Wallace had number three. And you know Ben Wallace was, I wasn't asking him for nothing. Hey, that's all you <laughs> got that. <laughs> yeah. What number did you what what number did you have in Detroit? I had number one, and AI wore number one in Detroit, too. So it was and crazy. Tracy somebody, McGrady. Yeah, somebody sent me a picture of him with, with number three in Philly, and then with number him in Detroit. We're both dribbling at, like, the exact same pose. It was kind of <laughs> ill. I posted it. That people love that. Yeah. Now, the the years that Iverson was in Detroit was crazy because I, I used to always hear, this is like, my brother was, like, 24, so he was going to the casinos. He was like, I always see Allen Iverson at the casino here in Detroit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Getting it in, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So for uh, the bubble right now, what? How do you feel about the actual um, setup of them actually trying to bring the season back in, doing the whole uh, bubble, and then the playoff situation now? Bubble is. I mean, they had to basically. If you want to really have a season, I think they had to. Um, and it's, it's actually pulling, they pulled it off. So I give them, you know, salute to them for doing that. But the thing about the layoff, man, it creates so much, so much, you know, equality in the league. Orlando just beat Milwaukee. The, the Clippers struggled in that first game. You know what I mean? Like to me, teams are a little discombobulated trying to get everybody back together. You know, even some players leave and come back. Even if you've been back for three weeks, two, three weeks, that's not enough time to get the speed of the game. You ain't going hard right away. You might pull a heavy right off the gate, you know? So, to me, these first games, these first two games of these series is crucial because you might get down one zip and, and then really have to really win that second game, man. There's no home court advantage. 
You don't have the fans behind you. You don't have the music playing. You don't have the bed sleeping. You know, you don't have your chef cooking you whatever you need. It's straight open. So you got to be able to internalize that and understand and get your energy levels up. You got to level up for those moments. It's playoff. You know, I'm even having a hard time getting hyped watching it. I don't, you know, I need more crowd noise. They need to put that NBA crowd noise up to play all the way up there. You know, I don't see no difference in home court advantage, you know. Right. It's kind of like playing a 2K practice uh, mode. Yeah, throw the Bulls in there or something. You know, like, yeah, it, it's just, a, it's to me, as an NBA player, I'm looking at it, I'm saying that would be tough every single night. You know what I'm mm. saying? The adrenaline has worn off from the eight games. Everybody's hyped to be back the first four games. That's adrenaline. Now it's night in and night out. You go into an empty gym hooping. You know, you've never done that before, bro. Like you, this is this is not something they're used to. You have more reporters at a practice event than you have at these games, friend. Mm. Yeah. And um, I was telling them about the first time I ever played on a college court, uh, coming from high school to playing on a college court, and the backdrop behind the rim, like, I was spooked. I didn't even want to shoot because I wasn't used to not seeing a wall behind the rim. <laughs> so now they kind of packed it with a wall behind the rim. Yeah, man. And, they, you know, when you're in the league, they, they put, like, signs up right behind the rim. You know what I mean? So you could be shooting a free throw, but it could be like data suck, you know, with a sign right in the square on the glass. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. Arenas have different lighting. Like, some arenas will have the court lit up and the whole stands will be dark. And you walk out there like, what the fuck? It's like Broadway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some, some arenas mm-hmm. have the whole arena lit up, and it's, it's in the court dark, you know, so it's just, it's, it's always a little different ambiance no matter where you go. Uh, I, uh, I know since you, I can tell you really, you still love the game, and like from, from a fan side, uh, what's some of the best uh, memorabilia you collected over the years? And I got. I had your card. My brother was a, a super, he was the biggest Sonic fan growing up. I had like Eight of your cards, cause yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got the uh, I got the MJ worn shoes signed and the MJ game jersey worn signed. I got those both both up in the game, and those are my prized possessions, man. Um, so yeah, sometimes I put in the MJ shoes on, man, just be walking around the house with the with the MJ. Shoes on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, that's some, some Charles Barkley. Uh, uh, you know, bunch of players, man. Paul Pierce, bunch of players, man. Just some. I should have got more like Kobe, Shaq. You know, uh, AI. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But actually, I got me and they, I got a, 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 a mutual friends at Reebok with AI. So I can next time I get up when they go back to playing games, I'm posting me AI and supposed to go to a game in Philly. We've been talking about it. Stay right on the court, you know. So we both going to wear our three jerseys. That's what we talked about when I seen him last. So we're going to get that cracking as soon as we get back into the arena. How How is the relationship That's between you and AI? Um, just cool. Like, nothing nothing crazy. But I, I think as af- afterwards, because of Reebok, we got to know each other a little more. But him playing in the Big East at Georgetown, I'm sure he, he you know, he was still at that age where I was in the league, so he had to be watching. And him, me going to, to Philly right before him, he had to 
said no. So I'm playing against him. He always showed mutual respect. I never talked. I never. I swear to you, I never had a, a, a argument with any player other than Anthony Mason, and it wasn't about basketball. It was just like on some street shit. You know what I mean? We was just talking <laughs> crazy to each other. You know what I mean? Like, but really, like even Gary Payton, I played with him for for, for four years, and they, you know, you would think that me and him would the win. No, ever. Like I just. It was always a mutual respect. I respected the person in front of me, and um, they respected me. And so that's that to me was the thing I always feel about. Never, I never really cared about what the what people say. Oh, he was good, and he was not good. When I see ex players like Sam Cassell, Steve Kerr, Jason Kidd, and they tell me, "Yo, man, I hated to play against you. You was a problem." That's all mm-hmm. I ever need till I die, man. Mm-hmm. Right there. Yeah. That's all I ever need till I die. Oh yeah, I got another thing. You even got a triple double. Uh, you even um, and it, was it the same season you dropped fifty? Like, so you was a problem. And I feel like uh, your hop, your hops are underrated. That you're kind of known as a, a shooter now, but you were getting posters too. But so that comes from um, that training. Effect. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like um, my first four years in Seattle, me. When I didn't play a lot, me and Sean Kemp would have dunk contests in the warm-up line. Man. Like, I'd be 360, you know, like. And that's really, like, I was just really super athletic. And then when you combine the work ethic together with something like that, I made myself from a football player to a basketball player, you know. So, and I just, that was just through straight determination and work, you know. Um, I was All-American top 50 football player. Took a visit to Michigan. I had a scheduled visit to Miami. And Notre Dame set up, but I finally got a basketball scholarship on the last day um, from BC. You should have came to Michigan, man. (laughs) And I, yo, man, I'm on the visit, right? I'm out there. We on the field, like you know, during I think it was a Penn State halftime or whatever, way way back in the day. And I'm out there with all these dudes. I'm thinking they linebackers, right? They wide receivers, like a (laughs) defense. Like 40 pounds heavy. I'm like, nah, I don't want none of this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> good. Hey, man. man you could have been the first Charlie Ward. <laughs> so, when I went to the combine in Chicago, I ran a 4.340 and a, a 43 inch. Actually, because when I went to BC, two, two, and a coach at Michigan, they were, so when I, my senior year, they told me if I didn't get drafted, to go back and play one year of football and they was gonna, you know, look at me as a senior in football. So I was gonna actually go back and play a fifth year of football if I didn't get drafted. Oh. Yeah. Didn't know that. That's dope. Hmm. Hey man. Speaking of Paul Pierce, man, uh after the whole incident with him and boxing, I'm saying what kind of man, what 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 I kinda say to you about his character, you know what I'm saying? If everything happened to him wanting to stay in boxing, like staying put, not folding up. I said, that's that's it. I can't. I couldn't say it better. I just salute him because that was my guy. Me, him, and uh, Eric Williams, best friends. All we did was like sit in the hotel and play Sega Genesis football all day. I was killing them with that Randy Moss Minnesota joint. So we used to play it day. And then um, I was actually with him that night. Um, we were eating. I would go to this, after the game. We would go to this bar, go eat, and then hang out at the bar. And then they were, you know, I was. I just had a kid. I was turning like thirty at that time. I was like, nah, I ain't going to the club. Man. I'm going to, I'm going home. I went home, and uh, not even 45 minutes after I got home, um, Tony Petit, who was with him, like, sent the message out to him, hit me on 
um, with the text and was like, yo, you need to come to the hospital. And I was just crazy because um, he had this, he, he was from California, so he was always freezing cold. And it's, this is like, and it wasn't even cold, it was like 60, 70 degrees up, but he had this, this leather coat with this double thick flannel lining in it. And that saved his life because it was it was deflecting the blade, you know what I'm saying? It was in yeah. that doctors. I remember getting to hospital. Doctors were saying that 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 coat really helped him out a lot. It, it really slowed the blade down. So, and Paula tell you in the many times he's told it afterwards. Me and him, I'd be at his house, and you know they would, you know, the soldiers were at that time asking him, did he want to be traded? You know, and I remember at first he was contemplating it, and then like after like two days, I remember going by the table. He's like, Nah, D, I'm good. I'm, I'm gonna stay here, Ryder. We're gonna we gonna win a chip before I leave here. And I remember him saying that when we won a chip. I remember him saying that before I leave this MF, we're gonna win a chip. I promise you that. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And I I can do nothing but salute him for that. He was real G. He get like so much hate. It's kind of kind of what he be. Uh, he he an analyst now, so it's a change. But he get uh, too much hate. That man is a real G on on and off the court. Absolutely. Only the only the real ones know, you know. Yeah, I respect I respect I respect them in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was deep. I was a little one when that happened. I couldn't even really like uh, digest. Like it was like what happened? But yeah, that was a uh, that was different. Uh, but it's good to see he he like you said he proved it. He went and got his chip. Man, that that team was nasty. Uh, who do you feel? was the leader of that team, and who was it constructed to be? That's like one of the biggest arguments uh, on my uh, blog. I see, oh, the Celtics was built to beat Kobe. Oh, no, they was built to beat LeBron. <laughs> and do, was it a super team? It was absolutely a super team. KG was, I think, MVP the year or two years before he came here. Um, and KG was the, was the catalyst to all that. When he came, practice changed. I was, I was on the staff that year. I was director of player development. I was full-time at that time. And um, he came in, and there was no more playing around in practice. He would come an hour before practice, made Paul come that. And Paul was the type of guy who would just come right when practice came and then hang around after practice and play one-on-ones. Now Paul was there an hour before, getting his stretching in, getting his, his work in, his, shoot, his extra shooting in, and he changed the whole mentality and culture of the organization from a player standpoint. So he was the catalyst of all that. And Ray Allen was a no-nonsense, true professional. You know what I mean? Just came in, did did whatever you asked of him, whatever hardest working, you know, shooting, shooting you ever wanted to make. So, but KG was the glue, man. And he made every, he held everyone accountable, the coaches and everyone. And every time we had a scrimmage in practice, none of the coaches even wanted, wanted to rep the scrimmage because KG, KG would light their ass up. You know? <laughs> He was like that 24 hours a day. If we was at Paul's house in his basement kicking it, he was like that. <laughs> Yelling, homeless, spitting at the mouth when you're talking about a game, you know what I mean? Going back and forth with him. That's who he was, and he changed the whole culture of this organization, you know? He better than Duncan, right? He, I don't know why they don't say that man is better than Duncan. I know I don't, I don't even want to get started. <laughs> That's like one of my pet peeves. Duncan. <laughs> like, I can't stand that part. Duncan had a team. Duncan had a championship team around him. He had Manu, a Hall of Famer. He had David Robinson for like two years with him, you know, um, as well. The first two tips, 
and he had Tony Parker, who's a Hall of Famer. Um, they had a squad. They had a team that had already were right there for the chip before he came. You know what I mean? Um, they had a, the, the people in place. So, you know, KZ is just different, man. Like he's a different generation. You know what I mean? Like he, they came in at the same time, but he he sparked a new generation of forward where they were on the perimeter. Tim Duncan was a center playing power forward because David Robinson was there playing center. KG was shooting threes, mm -hmm. you know, had the quick AI crossover at the top of the key, you know, <laughs> as a four. So, yeah, he was a he was a game changer for a big man. Like he he was a prototype for the new era. And that just that just uh, made me think about the imbalance in the conferences. I I know analysts talk about how strong the West Coast was, and they had a lot of power for it. They had Weber, um, they had Duncan, Dirk, uh, KG at one point. I think all of them was in All-Star games, and they had the idea of putting all four of them in with Shaq at one point right. of an All-Star game. Mm -hmm. Is that something that the players actually think about, especially when it comes to playoffs? Yeah, because a lot of players have bonuses in their contract. You know what I mean? Some of these guys have, you know, if you make an all-star team, you're getting two, three, five million dollar bonuses. You know what I mean? So those things definitely mean a lot to the players um, in it, from that standpoint. And also, you make an all-star team, man, like said, after the all-star game, man, I thought I was a straight killer. You couldn't <laughs> tell me nothing. Man. Ball with like two minutes left. I'm like, give me, like, give me the rock. Like, let's go. Like, my confidence went through the roof, man. You know what I mean? When something like that happens to you, you know? So, yeah, I think that making an all-star team will actually, obviously, and actually help you better in the playoffs because, that, man, that, that has to add to the repertoire mentally and the ego, man. That, that's just, that can't hurt in any way whatsoever going forward. Do you remember the first person that labeled you? It said NBA all-star Dana Barrows. Yeah, I remember walking down the hallway when they were talking about the, the voting, you know, and I remember walking down the hallway and I was by myself and uh, I had just done like a TV show for one of the coaches and I'm walking down the hallway and the coach is waiting for me outside the locker room. I'm like, hold up. I'm like, hold on. I didn't get cut because I'm killing right now. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> after the you know what I mean? So he's like, listen, don't tell nobody because it's not going to come out for like three or four days. Um, but yeah, you made the all-star team. So that ride back to just my little townhouse in Philly, man, that was just, that was a nice quiet, no music, couple of tears, you know what I'm saying? That was, that was ill for me right there. That was, that was, that was one of the top five moments right there. That with the draft and a couple of other moments, you know? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. This is one of our top five moments. This is like, this is my moment. Uh, it's <laughs> like, uh. Growing up, my dad used to take me to the Pistons game, and we'd get there like a two hours early to get the get uh, see y'all come through the tunnel, get y'all autograph. But this is even more up close and personal, man. This like we really appreciate you. I appreciate it, man. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Always, always the one uh, helping helping represent the brothers, man. I love what y'all doing. Anytime, hey, maybe after the second round or something like that, get back at me. We'll come back to talk about what's going on in the playoffs. For sure. And I, I always had a question about Sean Kemp since that's uh your favorite teammate. Did he have uh, a did he have a um a grudge or something going on against the uh Warriors? Because every ill dunk he had was against the Warriors. <laughs> nah, nah, what happened was 
The Warriors played up and down, fast pace. They even trapped sometimes, full court trapped sometimes. Don Nelson would have, he would have a six six dude playing center. So Sean was the center out there, but he was playing against like six seven, six six dudes. He's six eleven, two seventy, but crazy <laughs> stupid athletic. So those those smaller guys would get put in situations where they would be recovering <laughs> off a trap. And then you recover to him with already took off. He's airborne. You know what I mean? So they played that style. Oh, that style was for him. You know what I mean? That style was and for all of us, me, him, and GP, all of us. But that's why it was always them. They had an open court run and gun game. And that was that was uh you know what I mean? So they got most of that. They got most of that. <laughs> Y'all would destroy the Rockets. <laughs> Yeah, man, we beat we beat them that second week. The year we the '93-'94, we beat them. We knocked them out. Um, but yeah, that, that was a great team. I wish I could have stayed on that team, but I just I needed to go play, man. GP was dead. He was, you know, he's he was having a great year that last year when I was there, and I just knew that that was it for me. I, I had to get to the East Coast, get somewhere that that I could play. Yeah, that was an underrated team. I think the uh, the '90. Was that the '96 uh, team that went with the Bulls? Yeah, they had a, they had the closest chance out of any other team to actually beat the Bulls. I think if they would have kept, they they traded because they wanted they went to veterans. They they had Eddie Johnson. They traded. They had Ricky Pierce. They kept Ricky Pierce at that time. To me, if they would have kept Derek McKee, um, myself, me, Derek, Sean, and Gary together. For like seven or eight years, with Derek, you know Derek McKee, who was uh, he went to Indiana, went to the finals with Indiana. He was mm-hmm. like a real good player, like he was like a like a third shutdown defensive guy, give me fifteen and, and eight, you know, seven assists. He was like an all around Scottie Pippen type dude. I think we would have had a better chance of, of winning that ship. I just think they were they didn't have the the right people to me to to get that man. They were close. They definitely, because they were athletic as hell, man. They matched up across the board with them athletically. But, you know, a couple of, couple of pieces here and there, I think they would have had it. But I should have been in Chicago. You would have got three, at least. No, they would, DJ got traded after three. They would have kept me for all six, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Man. All right, we don't want to hold you too long. Like you said, we'd love to have you back anytime. We we're here every Tuesday. Pleasure to be here. Get back after me after the second round, so we can go back and 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 uh, get these uh, Western and Eastern Conference Finals matchups, man. One one last thing, what is your thoughts on Dane and the last couple of games that he played? Um, uh, unexplainable. Like I can't, I can't, I can't even. Like I've seen a lot of players get called out after some something happens to them, like after the free throw, or whatever, whatever happened during the free throw thing with with Patrick Beverly. So that was like the moment when KG went on. KG said, "I'm Kevin Durant," and then he went out and scored 40, 35, 35. So, man, not everybody could do that. That ain't for everybody. So for him to go out and do that, and even raise the the standard to level up even more than we thought about him. To me, that even you know, brought him up to another level, and now he gets to showcase that tonight. You know, against the number one team, and put that on on uh, display tonight. So, I'm, hopefully, he can continue that. You know, hopefully, 
that's that's uh drama basketball, man. I love that because if he scores, I think in the thirty-five to forty, they're gonna have they're gonna be in the game, you know. Ooh, I get your popcorn ready. For the series. Let's get it. Got any final prediction for the series? Let you go. Um, I got Lakers and Clips in the East. I mean, in the West, and the Bucks and the Celtics in the East. Um, and then I'm going. Uh, I'm going. I'm going home. I'm going with the squad. I'm going with Ben and the Clippers, Ooh. man. Oh, Clippers going. I just think they're a little deeper, man. I, well, Rondo's coming back, and so I think that's going to be a big game changer because Rondo, he'll go get the ball from, from the bounce. I got the rock. You go down, I'm going to run this play. And I think at times they need that just to have a little more ball movement. So that'll be big for them. But Avery Bradley's a big miss, man. Avery Bradley will be picking up Paul George 94 feet. You know, he'll be picking up whoever the best player on the other team is 94 feet for the whole time he's in there. So that's a big miss. So I'm picking the clip, you know, against the Celtics. And that's going seven in the toss-up. Like that. Okay. Well, good night. Uh, take care. Enjoy your weekend. We really appreciate you. Uh, it's U Choice Radio. We're going to give you some shout out. Uh, we're going to post and tag you on the uh, socials. So, uh, thanks again. All day, bro. Appreciate you, fellas, man. Thanks a lot, man. Peace. No doubt. So, that was Dana Barrels. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We're back. Every Wednesday on U-Choice Radio. Also, you can find us on Spotify or Apple, wherever you find your podcasts. It's the whatever podcast.